0: Good morning, church. It's good to be alongside you guys. Kids, it's wonderful to see all of you guys here this morning. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to join with you guys back in Sun Chasers here soon, but it's it's fun to see a picture of young and old all like uh, here this morning gathered to worship God together. In just a few minutes, we're going to be opening God's Word and reading from our Bibles. And so if you have a Bible with you here this morning, I encourage you to find the book of Philippians. Uh, if you've got kids alongside you, one of the cool things about sun we're seeing back there is seeing some of our older kids help our younger kids open God's Word and study from it together. Uh, so if you want to work on, if you've got a Bible, kids with you, finding the book of Philippians as well, that's where we're going to spend our time here this morning. And you kids, I want to give you kind of a warning. I'm going to ask you at the end to come up and help me with a little something. Uh, so in a little bit towards the end, you guys are going to make your way up front. And I've known a lot of these kids for a, quite a while now in Sun Chasers, there's a couple of you who are ready to probably like to jump off your seats and go, Joel needs help, I'm coming right now, and that's, that's in a little bit from now, and then there's others of you who need maybe a little time to warm up to the idea and go, okay, Joel needs my help with something, give me a little while and I'll be ready to do that towards the end. So I wanted to give you a little bit of, of heads up, uh, then be asking you to help me with something, to participate in something towards the end of our service here together. In addition, since we've got our Sun Chasers here with us this morning, this is something we do often in our summer times, as uh, as it's said, to give some of our volunteers a break, but it's also just to have the co- corporate body together, worshiping together so our kids get to see um, the body believers worshiping together, opening God's Word together. But I'd also like to give you adults a little bit of a window into some of the things that happened back in Sun Chasers here Uh, to get us started. So kids, I'm going to need you guys to help real quick with something, and maybe you can get your adults around you to to do the same thing as well. Generally, when we uh, go back there and we have a three-year curriculum that takes us through from Genesis to Revelation, and it weaves a story and points to Jesus throughout those three years that we're working through this curriculum with the kids, but every lesson we have each week has a big picture question. It actually says big picture question. We use the words big picture question. And when you ask a question, I like to get the kids involved, and they like to be involved as well. So as adults, we ask questions. We might be very uh, contemplative and introspective, but the kids, we like to get our arms and maybe even our faces moving. So kids, can you help me out? And you may have done this before with me, but can you get your questioning arms up like you're going to ask? Yeah, see, some of you know this, right? Like we're going to ask a question. And you adults can do this too if you want, right? There's going to be kids around, like, we're gonna, like it makes a big W, like you're going to ask a question. And even more than that, kids, we like to kind of get our faces involved. There's a few of you I can picture who do like the one eyebrow up. And there's others do like the full like furrowed brow kind of thing. But can you guys get like you're going to ask a question, right? And there's some of you adults are doing this too, which is wonderful. So I'm going to say our big picture question. And I just want you guys to repeat it for this morning so that we know we're centering our time around God's word about. So the big picture question is just simply, who do we follow? So can you ask that question kids with me and you adults can do as well? Who do we follow? Right now, inevitably back in Sun Chasers, there's a four-year-old kid who stands and goes, "Ooh, I know the answer to this one. And they go, it's Jesus. We follow Jesus. And that answer is 100% absolutely correct. And so as followers of Jesus, those who have put their faith and their trust in God, follow Jesus. And so we're going to take some time this morning to talk about what does it look like to be a follower of Christ? We're going to think about who else might you actually follow? And then this thought is, is there anyone who might actually even be following you? All right, so who do we follow as Christ followers? Jesus first. Who else might we follow? And is there anyone else who might actually be following you? Like I said, we're going to spend most of our time in Philippians chapter 3. It's going to be verses 12 through 21 this morning. So if you kind of want to eye out where that is, that's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time in God's word. But I want to give a little bit of a preface to where this is coming from and what Paul's writing about before we launch into those verses from 12 to 21. What Paul is saying to the people he's writing this letter to in uh, the church in Philippi. See, before we talk about what it means to follow Jesus, it's good... And it's a worthwhile endeavor for us as the body of believers to remind one another what it means to be a Christ follower in the first place. So Paul, in the beginning of chapter three, after giving um, some encouragement and a warning, goes into uh, several verses where he's telling these readers what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he brings three things out to light. Uh, He says, and this this is in the first several verses, that we worship by the Spirit of God, reminding those that will read this letter, that they worship by the power of the Holy Spirit in them, that they boast in Christ Jesus alone, and that they put no confidence in their flesh. See, as we read and study this morning, that's going to need to be a constant refrain that we speak to one another. And as we leave this place, that we speak to one another that we have no confidence in our own flesh, that our boast and our confidence is in Christ alone. Because we're gonna read words this morning, things like striving, right, and, and making every effort and pushing forward towards the goal of Christ's likeness, but that has to be centered around the idea that it is all because of the all-surpassing glory of knowing Christ and growing in Christ's likeness because of his work. Rather than what we do, church, we're called to salvation not through our own works, but through the work of Christ on the cross. And you can even read in verses 4 through 6, Paul goes on then to try and drive this point home to his readers by listing out all the ways that those who are religious observers might have looked at him and said, he's the epitome of what we're looking towards. And he lists out all of his accomplishments. And then in verses 7 and 8, he says, all those things I've listed off to you, but here's what they mean. He says, but everything that he considered a gain to him, he's considered to be a loss because of Christ. He repeats again with more emphasis. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul's telling his brothers and sisters that his reputation, his rule following, and his traditions all fall away. All those things that he would have put in like the win column here get shifted over to the loss column because the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is knowing Christ. Everything else he does is informed by that truth. Everything becomes filth. He even calls it just dirt, dirty rags, in comparison to knowing Christ as his Savior. So he leads into the text that we're going to be spending our time together this morning by stating that his righteousness and his right standing before God is not due in any way to things that he has accomplished, but rather what Christ has accomplished on the cross, that his salvation comes from his faith in Christ alone. This message is reiterated in a place in Romans. I want to read just to you before we move into our text for this morning. In Romans 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. As Amber is reading this morning and reiterating the idea that we are all in need of God's grace, verse 24 goes on to say, And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, ours is not an earned salvation but an unearned gift for those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin so we might have a right standing before God, that we might be justified through Christ. See, Paul goes on to say then, right before leading into our scriptures, that because of his justification, because of his right standing before God, through his faith in Christ, his desire is to know Christ more and to grow in his Christ-likeness. And then he goes to say both in the power of his resurrection and to join in his suffering. And so as we talk through this idea of earning, uh, not earning, rather, but effort and striving this morning, it doesn't mean that our lives are going to be filled with just joy and carefree. It doesn't mean that our lives are going to be filled with only suffering, but that in all of it, in the totality of our lives, every little piece of it, from work life to home life to gathering here on Sunday morning, being scattered throughout the rest of the week, In all that, it's dripping with Holy Spirit-infused lives following and pursuing Christ, no matter what we find ourselves doing. See, when Dave Steinbeck first brought this idea of a sermon series called This Truth Changed My Life, my brain kind of flitted around for a little while of of different passages of Scripture, things that have changed impact and really um, shaped uh, who I am as a Christ follower over the past maybe weeks and months and even years. Honestly, the first passage that came to mind is Romans 12. Um, if you guys have been with us for a while now, last fall, we had a series about life and community, and Romans 12 was kind of the centerpiece for the study, both in community groups and in our large group gatherings, and that has been uh, some verses that have, have shaped me in quite a bit. It, it starts out, therefore, brothers and sisters um, in Christ, that, uh, let's see, therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, oh my goodness, this is where, yeah, I apologize. I wanted to have this memorized for you, and I am, I am absolutely now... I'm, I'm losing my, my memory just a little bit. I don't know if any of you can help me real quick, which is an odd thing, but um, therefore, brothers and sisters of Christ, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is a verse I've often repeated to myself, even with my flub there momentarily, but a verse I've often repeated myself in the past year of what does it look like not only to walk in on a Sunday morning and to worship God as a corporate gathering, but to walk out of here on a Monday morning or a Wednesday afternoon or a Thursday midday and to present my body as a living sacrifice to God. A little later on in Romans 12, it says that now we who are many are one body of Christ and individually members of one another. That particular verse, the fourth verse, is when we memorized back in Sun Chasers, not too long ago, within the past 12 months. And this idea that we are a corporate body, that none of us are individuals, as much as we might like to think that in our culture, that we are knit together as the body of Christ. And these have been things that have been shaping and forming me. But this, this Romans 12, having been a passage that we studied in the past 12 months, started looking elsewhere, where is this found in Scripture? Because this is not only a truth found only in Romans 12, but it's found throughout God's Word and who we are as the people of God. And there's passages in Ephesians and Colossians, also ones of which we studied last fall. And as I've been studying and reading through Philippians, uh, this passage in Philippians 3, right in the center, talks about this idea of following and gives us this picture of who we are as the people of God. And so we're going to center our time this morning around this particular passage. But I also feel it would be a good idea to just give you a little background as Dave was asking to speak about a truth that changed my life, a little background of where this is coming from. So I want to take you back just briefly for a moment back to 2014. Some of you younger kids, how many of you were born after 2014? Can you raise your hand for me if you were born after 2014? Yeah, and some of you have to ask your parents. You're like, was that me? Yeah, some of you, this takes back before you were even born. But in 2014, a really close friend of mine who uh, decided that, that he was no longer going to be teaching and moving on to a different career. Now, I say a close friend of mine, but this man was really a brother in Christ to me. This man was one who I ate lunches with day after day, one who taught me about biblical truths, one who challenged me in my views, encouraged me not only to read scripture, but books and podcasts and things that I could take in that would shape me as a follower of Christ, now, we never had any formal mentor-mentee relationship, right? Like he didn't wear a t-shirt that said mentor on it, and I had one that said mentee, and we didn't codify this relationship in that way, but this was very much a relationship of someone who shaped and formed me into Christ-likeness. And he had decided that it was a different career path, and so there was a loss in my life because there was just not the same amount of time or um, opportunities to be together as we had before. In the same way at that time, a number of families from Crosspoint went to another church and I was feeling this sense of loss in my life. I really couldn't even articulate it very well. But I started to come to the realization, I remember after a conversation with Dave Steinbeck, that I was just missing community in my life. I was missing friendship and community. And so I did all I knew how to do was to start praying that, God, would you bring some people into my life that can come around me and be those brothers and sisters in Christ that I needed. I'm here to tell you here this morning that God has been faithful in that. God has has built around me a sense of community but what's been really the thing that's been changing and shaping my life is it's not just a community based around going out and having backyard barbecues or getting together for watching a kid's baseball game, but a family of God that has helped shape and form me into Christ likeness. I'm able to walk along people who are pursuing Christ and pursuing Christ likeness. While I pursue Christ and pursue Christ-likeness, that we're knit together as the family of God. And that's where we're going to spend our time focusing and reading about this morning. So that's where all of this message series is called, This Truth Changed My Life. I, I want to just tweak it just a little bit this morning so that this truth is changing or transforming my life. Because there's no past tense about this, but this is something that we as followers of Christ are constantly growing and constantly learning and constantly understanding more about what it means to pursue Christ with our entire lives. So I'm going to ask you to gather on God's word with me this morning uh, from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, the, message of this, this, uh, this, the title of this message is simply called Follow, and it comes from verse 17, which is right in the middle. But one of the things that I love about this particular passage, having had time to study it, is it begins with talking about Christ. It talks about who we're following, and it ends with talking about Christ. And so that's where we're going to center our time together this morning. So I want to be just reminded that Paul had just gotten done talking to his readers about the fact that his salvation doesn't come from um, anything that he has done or any of his accomplishments, but simply from knowing Christ and having his faith put in him. So, given that, we're going to pick up in verse 12, verses 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16 right now. Paul says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us who are mature think this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. See, right here in the beginning, Paul is quick to let the reader know that he's not yet reached the goal of fully knowing Christ. He's not yet reached the goal of becoming like him, but he does state those words, he's making every effort. Last fall, we spent some time talking about this same idea here. Um, And so we're going to focus our time around that for just a few moments. Those of you who know me, and some of you may not, uh, but those who know me have probably seen me running around town here. You may know that I've I've spent 15 years of uh, my adult life coaching distance runners. And so anytime the Bible gives this kind of imagery of striving, this kind of athletic imagery, my mind always tends to go towards uh, some of the faces and names that I've known over the past decade and a half and watched and coached and see them grow as young men and young women. Uh, There's places in Hebrews 12 where it says, run the race with perseverance. And so this is one of those images, and so I know and totally get that not all of you probably have the same affinity for distance running that I do. Right? If I were to have a conversation with you, you might be like, that's okay, Joel, you can do that. I'm going to stick with the things that I do. Like my wife, for example, she doesn't have it anymore, but she used to have a bumper sticker on her car. A lot like you've seen the 26.2 stickers, the uh, 13.1 stickers signifying marathons and half marathons. She had a 0.0 I don't run sticker on her car. So I 100% understand that you might not have the same gripping enthusiasm for running, but I think there's an analogy here that's going to help remind us of what Scripture teaches about being the family of God. So I'd like to present to you two runners uh, who are on my team at the same time. One, his name is Andrew, and the other, his name is Alex. Andrew, just to describe him for you, was a four year runner. When you looked at him, you could kind of tell he was a runner. And he just kind of had that build to him. Now, this isn't to say everything went swimming for him. Andrew had a lot of seasons with injury and went from being a little 4 foot 11 guy to being like a 5 foot 11 guy the time I had him with me. But you could kind of see that he had been doing this for a while. Like if he took his watch off his wrist, there was this bright white band across his wrist signifying the time and the miles that he put under his belt with his teammates. He'd been at this for a while, right? Alex, on the other hand, Alex was 6'4". When I had to talk to Alex, it hurt my neck after a while because this guy was big. He didn't look anything like a runner. He'd actually never been on an athletic team in his life, but he came out this senior year because he wanted to join in and be a part of an athletic team before he graduated high school. Uh, To kind of give you a picture of these two, Alex on his first day of summer practice came with me and we ran together. Uh, We jogged about 30 seconds and there was a mile and a half of walking and kind of regaining our composure. And some of you are like, okay, yeah, I identify with Alex right now. Maybe there's somebody I identify with Andrew. And there's a whole host of in between. But these two young men were on a team together. And as I read these verses where Paul describes and exhorts his readers to make every effort, I picture these couple of men. There's a race specifically in mid-September where I remember Andrew finishing races so often as he did with another teammate. This, this look of, of absolute focus and dedication and only forward-looking uh, attention on his eyes as he's finishing up this race, coming out of the trees through the final straightaway into the finish line. And I've seen him do this for years. Now, the thing I want to point to is is Alex. Alex maybe towed the line with Andrew at the beginning, but he was well behind him by the time one minute of the race started. But Alex was doing something he'd never done before. It became pretty apparent that Alex was going to break 30 minutes for the first time in his running career. And as he came out of the trees, that same exact look that Andrew had on his face, of complete and utter determination, mixed with joy, mixed with pain, was on his face, in his eyes. And we saw Andrew and many teammates come out to cheer him on. And it didn't matter that he hadn't spent as much time as Andrew running, that he didn't have those years of experience. He was still focused single-mindedly on the goal in front of him. And that young man just storming down that last straightaway, sweat dripping off his brow, coming across that line with his teammates cheering him on is a picture I hope to, to keep in my mind's eye for years and years beyond me, knowing them or having spent daily time with them on the team uh, because it reminds me of this picture that Paul is painting of striving and making every effort. And it didn't matter to the reader whether that they had been walking lifelong with a belief and a faith and a trust in Christ, or they had just began that journey. Right? That's the same thing we talk about and think about with Andrew here, and we think about with Alex as well. That same single-minded focus of their lives in that moment, forward on the goal. As I look out here this morning, there's been people who've been walking with Christ their entire lives, and there may be people here this morning that don't know Christ as their Savior, or maybe someone who just gave their life to Christ this week, and it doesn't matter. This call in Philippians is to all who profess faith in Christ, all to be making forward's uh, strides. And so I, I would like to encourage you here this morning, again, whether you've ever run a step in your life, maybe something after service would be to, to talk with someone. If we've got extroverts here, you can be the ones who ask the question first. But like maybe who do you identify with? Maybe it's the Alexes in this story. Maybe it's the Anders, or maybe it's somewhere well in between. So a couple of examples to think about here, and I've had many runners come through my doors, is there's always a runner or two or three who run together with every step of the race. And so maybe that's you here this morning going, I have these people here that have been contending for the faith with me. They have been pointing me forward to Christ and here's how they've been doing that and to share that out with someone. I have runners who get lost on the course. They're in the weeds or in the trees or just turning circles because they don't know where to go. And maybe that's you this morning. When I don't know and I need someone to point me in the right direction, bring me the map and get me heading back where I need to go. I, you may find yourself anywhere on that spectrum But the point is, as the family and followers of Christ, to confess that to one another, share that with another, so that we might contend with the faith of the other, that we might be ones who follow Jesus together as a body of believers. See, this process of sanctification, this walking with Jesus and growing in Christ's likeness is something that's going to be a pursuit throughout our entire lives. So whether you're identifying with the Alex or the Andrew or somewhere in between, these words of Paul have something to say to each of us. Now, before we get to verse 17... Before we we move on from this idea of every effort and straining and, and not looking backward but focusing forward, there's a place in verse 12 I want us to draw our attention. As Amber read from Ephesians this morning, this is a good place to draw our attention back to in the light of this idea of making every effort. And it's this phrase in verse 12 where Paul says, because I have also been taken a hold of by Christ. Right? In the midst of our everyday lives, we need to be reminded and reminded by fellow believers in Christ that in the midst of our making every effort, it's not in any context of earning, but because our life has been taken a hold of by Christ. Now, I know some of you kids might have gone, okay, Zare, you t- teach us back there all the time. You have visuals and all kinds of things, and so I want to present this to you. And I have no idea if any of you would remember this, but this is from one year ago, pretty close to exactly. This was a little visual we brought up as we were talking about our life dedicated to Christ, not just in small ways, but entirely. And so there's a picture, a lot like I visualized that race with Alex and Andrew, of our kids up here last year. Each of them got one of these little sponge balls, and we took the example of dipping one little corner in and saying, this is giving a part of your life to Christ, and dipped another little corner in to describe that as giving another part of the life to Christ. And we asked the question, is is it all soaking wet yet? And the kids were clearly going, no. No. It's not. And I have this clear picture of a little four-year-old who's part of our Sun Chasers ministry, grabbed hers out of the bin, took it up to the bucket that I had, and plunged her arm all the way down in. Got her sleeve wet, soaking wet, and brought this thing out of the bucket. And that was not expected of me, but it's a beautiful picture of what it means to not only give little portions or little segments of your life to Christ, but just like that little four-year-old girl to devote and give all of your life over to Christ. So I want us to go ahead and take a look at uh, verse 17, but prior to that, this idea of working out our salvation but being taken a hold of by Christ needs to be the centerpiece of what we're going to talk about as a family of believers. Paul writes this even earlier in Philippians in chapter 2. He gives the two verses, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's the part for our effort. But then he goes on to follow before it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is a life given over to Christ, but not for effort's sake, for earning, but simply because we've been taken a hold of by Christ. Brother and sister in Christ with us here this morning, you have been taken a hold of by Christ. Pursuing Christ's likeness in the power of the Spirit is a way of life. Yet we all know that each and every day, we're going to have our attention drawn away from the goal of Christ's likeness, that idea of following him. Right, as I look out here this morning, there's those of you who've been through tragedy and loss in the past weeks and months and years, and that has this temptation to kind of erode our faith in following Christ. There's, there's those of you who, and myself included, that are tempted to be um, people who find our satisfaction and find our um, find our own trust in ourselves because of our own success or the ease that we find in life right now. There's those of us who have hidden sin in our lives right now that's festering and developing and growing because we've never shared it with anyone. And in those moments, we try and hide it from God, like that's even a thing that we can do even our regular daily habits, things that are good, things that we do on a daily basis, some that may be bad, things that are even just neutral, tend to take up and dominate our time as just people walking through life. And so that's where we're going to center around verse 17 here today and what we're called to be as the actual body of Christ, a family of believers. So Paul writes in verse 17, he says, Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example that you have in us. See the truth that's been shaping and forming me in many ways is encapsulated in this verse right here. In following Christ, we've been given a beautiful gift of living alongside right, others as a part of Christ's family. So sitting here this morning, we pursue knowing Christ and growing in our Christ likeness along others, right? You guys here who are pursuing Christ and growing in Christ's likeness See, I want to emphasize again that Paul is clear to say that he's not arrived in Christ-likeness, but he's pursuing it through the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. When he's stating, join in imitating me, he doesn't just stop right there at the end of the sentence. There's a place in 1 Corinthians, which is a book of the Bible we're going to be studying together as a church here through the fall and the winter and the spring. And in chapter 11, verse 1, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He doesn't stop after those first two words saying, I've arrived, follow me. Imitate what I'm doing. But imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So here again, kids, is that big picture question we have. Right, who do we follow? Right, with Christ at the front of the line, with Christ at the head, who do we follow? I see hands up there. I love this. Who do we follow? Jesus. We follow Jesus and we follow those who are following Jesus. And so that right here, we're gathered here this morning in the midst of some rain and some thunder and and kids' voices and thoughts and plans of what's going to go on the rest of this day. We're gathered here to remind one another that we follow Jesus and we follow those around us that follow Jesus. There's people to your left and your right right now in front of you and back of you that you may know and you may say, I want to follow them in as much as they follow Christ. I see Christ at work in your life in this way and I want to tell you that that's something that I want to follow. If you guys look in your bulletin right now, actually, there's a place in there that we have included over the past number of years. It's called Evidences of God's Grace. If you're new to Cross Points, your first time or you've been here for a little while, you can find a lot of the archives of these on the blog as well that give evidences of God's grace. And these are ways and intentional ways to point us towards other people who are following Christ right in the midst of you, right in the seat next to you or behind you or in front of you, to your left and your right. And so in light of the fact that that is something that we intentionally put time and effort to, I wrote just a couple of them myself as in the past months, weeks, and really in this past year, evidences of God's grace in my life. People that I know here, sitting here, and scattered elsewhere, who have pointed me to Christ. I, I would like to tell you I've, I've had the blessing of, I think, praying with more people either in person or over the phone in this past 12 months than I ever have in my entire life. And those people that I've had the opportunity to pray with have shaped and formed my prayer life in ways that I wouldn't have done on my own. And so a couple of examples that are, when I'm tempted, as all of you are, as I did when I flubbed up the scripture from earlier on, tempted to put fear of man ahead of fear of God, tempted to think more importantly of what people think than of my identity in Christ, And a brother who I pray with often is a constant refrain of there is no condemnation now for those in Christ, that we are free in Christ and that our identity is secure in him. And to pray those words back to God, that God, I need reassurance in that. Another individual I pray with is constantly reminding me that Christ is the, the vine and we are the branches and that we need him for our very existence. That has shaped and changed my prayer life to one of when I wake up in the morning and he reminds me, I need to pray for God's help in all aspects of my life before my feet hit the ground. I have another friend who I've prayed with who's reminded me just to simply thank God for the cross. You'd be surprised at how, how not often I do that, but this is shaping and forming. Walking alongside people who are pursuing Christ as I pursue Christ has shaped and formed my prayer life in many ways. A couple others, there are family members who we know have walked through tragedy and lost in the past months and weeks. And to hear them praising God on a Sunday morning, to see them living out their faith in Christ, is something that I want to imitate. I've had brothers and sisters in Christ share with me scripture that they've memorized, hiding God's word away in their hearts, so that God may call it to attention whenever needed, that the Holy Spirit can use that to shape and form them into Christ-likeness. And I want to imitate that. I can picture a certain instance of standing alongside a, a young sister in Christ. I know this because she's professed this to me and is following Christ. And once in morning, hearing her sing out to God, not concerned in the least bit with what anyone around her is thinking, right? And wholeheartedly sold out, singing her heart out with abandon to her God and her creator. I, I want to imitate that. And see, the life of a Christ father, though, is not just those moments, but it's the totality of our life. And so as we're gathered here on a Sunday morning, it's good of us to remind ourselves that although we gather and worship together, a large percentage of our life, the majority, in fact, is spent out elsewhere. So you want to go back to Andrew and Alex just for a moment. Like that picture, that moment is encapsulated in my head of them running down that final stretch where uh, Alex is running pell-mell, he's got his arms pumping, right, sweat coming off his brow, the, uh, the, the fans are there, his teammates, they're cheering him on. It almost plays out in slow motion in my head like a movie scene, All right? But in that moment, that's, that's maybe 30 seconds of, of the time that they spent together, The overwhelming majority of that time was not that little end of a race, but was in the daily moments of their lives. They're gathering together during the week. They're striving, contending together in that preparation for that race. Those miles that they logged together on the road, whether they were together or not, all those extra meals and times they spent together. When you think of it like a movie, though, doesn't that time kind of get condensed down to about 20 or 30 seconds Right? It, it's a montage set to music where you just see it flash before the screen because it's got to get on to the climax of the movie. But that's where our life is lived. That's where we are continuing our faith. That is where we ask others to follow us in as much as we follow Christ. Through the everyday moments in our life, whether at work, at home, not simply in those small moments where we're gathered here together, but living life alongside one another as believers in Christ who are, are pointing one another towards Jesus. See, Paul states so much to his readers even earlier in this book of Philippians, where he says, I want you to key in on the words always and every that you used throughout this little portion. In chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, through uh, 5 and 6, Paul says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. It's not just in our Sunday morning gatherings, but it's a life lived pursuing Christ alongside others who are pursuing Christ that we're after. So as we move into the last couple verses here this morning, I want to point us towards uh, one warning as we think about who are we following that's following Christ. And one way to really know who we're going after and who we're attaching ourselves to is those who follow Jesus and would be people who we can follow after as well. So Paul in verses 18 and 19 says to his readers, For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame, and they're focused on earthly things. See, Paul warns his followers of Christ that they are going to be confronted with those that are living as enemies of the cross. And that's still true of us here in the 21st century. There are those that are living as enemies of the cross. And some of those we feel are really easy to spot. Those are people living an outright rejection of the cross. And, and it's easy to maybe tell those young leaders that these are people that you should not be putting your time and attention into. But it's very difficult for those who may claim the cross of Christ, but their works, their, their lives don't bear that out. The fruits of the Spirit are not evident in their lives. And that is where, then, as we walk and follow Christ together, we can encourage one another, point one another towards Christ by opening his word, spending time together with one another, praying for and with one another, shaping and forming us together towards the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we need to be on guard with one another so we can watch out for those that are um, using their gods at their stomachs, those who seek only after their own desires. Right, those who glory in their shame, that their, their sins are actually a virtue that they pursue and are turning our focus away from Christ to earthly things. We're bombarded by those, those messages through media, but also just in our daily life when we're walking around throughout this area and, and areas around Eureka. And so it, God has knit us together as the family of God so that we can be on guard with one another, for one another, and pointing one another to Christ. We're all fickle and have tendencies to fall away, and so God has graciously given us his spirit to empower us and a family of God to follow together. The last couple of verses here remind us of who we can be pointed towards, and so verses 20 and 21 say our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables us to subject everything to himself. And so in the midst of who we aren't to follow, what we are to pursue are those that are living in light of their citizenship in heaven. Here's the thing. This doesn't even necessarily change your day-to-day life, but it changes your focus for it. So we're called to be pursuers of Christ. We're pursuing those that are recognizing their citizenship in heaven. When they're here gathered on a Sunday morning, when they're scattered on a Monday morning, in your workplaces, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, that we are called to pursue those who are pursuing Christ. And so here's where I'd like you kids to help me out with something. Because it's really easy to hear something, and God's truth from his word this morning but taking action on is something I'd love if you kids could help me out in doing this morning. So if you kids could maybe make your way forward, I've got a few things I want you to grab three of them for me. So if you feel brave enough and are interested in this, there are some things I want you to come and grab up here with me. So if you want to take a sibling or if you want to come up here and just say hi, there's little tiny footprints. I want you to grab three of them for me. Right? So if you don't want to do this, that's totally fine. But if you want to come grab three of them, I love seeing your guys' faces up here. Because, and you can take them back to your seats then. I'm going to have you try and do something with me so that we can have some further conversation, some prayer time together, and encouragement together. And it's a beautiful picture seeing our children here, and they're going to be following after you. These are not just the next generation, the next ones up, but these are children that we're raising to know Christ and to follow him as a way of life. Yes, if you guys can grab three of them, that would be excellent. I'm going to grab three of them too. So walking out this idea of, of following Christ as a way of life and joining in imitating those who are imitating Christ. Kids, you've got three of these. Excellent. And there's some extra ones left up here if you want to come grab them later. I'll leave them there for a while. But what I want to encourage you to do is to take one of them, if you are brave enough today to do this, and to find someone. Maybe it's a Sunday school teacher, maybe it's your parents, someone you know, and hand it to them and out loud tell them, I want to follow you like you're following Jesus. And you kids can take that first step. And this adults, even if you don't have some in your hand, you can turn to someone and tell them, I want to follow you as you're following Jesus. The second one, kids, I'd encourage you to hang on to these last two. One of them, in a a week or a few days or a month from now, get it back out. Maybe you, you mail it with a letter. Pastor Dave, a few weeks ago when we were studying Proverbs, said that we as the body of Christ should speak honeycomb sweet words to one another to encourage each other to contend for our faith. And so this is another opportunity for a little later on from now to say, I want to follow you as you following Jesus. And the third one's for you to hang on. They're small, so you might need to find a place to put it, but this can be a reminder for you as you're following Jesus to pray for those that you are following as well, and as much as they follow Christ. And so this is a tangible way for us as the body of believers to contend for the faith together. If our worship leaders would come back up as we prepare to sing uh, worship to our Creator God, I'd like to pray for us this morning, and then we'll gather around to sing. Uh, praises to our King. So if you would pray with me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here in the midst of whatever else may be uh, happening in our day today. Um, God, thank you for your word and your reminder to follow you as a way of life, not for any earned salvation, but because you've given a free gift to us that you have taken hold of us uh, through the work of your Holy Spirit. God, teach us as a family of believers to pursue Christ and to pursue Christ-likeness along others who are pursuing Christ and pursuing Christ-likeness. Help shape us and form us as you see fit. Open our hearts and eyes to you as we walk out the doors here today and live as the body of Christ on mission for you. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read you from Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11 as we close this morning. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, With knowledge and all discernment, so you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God.